Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind comments by celebs. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian Mona show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. I liked this episode a lot. Oh, I did too. Honestly, I know we'll get into this in depth, but I was absolutely floored that we actually got the privilege of meeting Nori's Black Book because I was 100% positive, even as they were on their way there, that the camera would only be on Kim and Chloe. I thought it was going to be the type of thing where the identity was never going to be revealed to us. I feel so lucky that we got that though. No, wasn't that amazing? I was a little starstruck. I think they were too. I they definitely were. I thought that was a hilarious plot line and I was so happy that they included that. I was just so happy not only for her cuz I can imagine how meta and unbelievable that is and like what an accomplishment. I mean we'll get more into that as we talk about that scene, but in addition to that, I almost felt happy for all of her followers because you've kind of been on this journey with her watching the account grow, watching the acknowledgement and the fact that it's honestly become like this really well-respected form of witty writing. And so it was just crazy. It was very full circle. Definitely was. I actually checked as soon as I saw, as soon as we watched, I checked her account to see what it was at because I want to see how much it grows by the time this episode comes out. So before the episode comes out, she's at 850K. Oh, you know it's going to get to a million, right? Definitely. I think so. I think so too. And she's still only following Kim and Kanye. I know. I love that. (laughs) The other thing I want to just say before we start, because we'll do this scene by scene. You know, I'm sure some scenes we'll kind of put together. But last week when we were talking about Scott and he was expressing fear about no longer filming and how that could mean that they wouldn't be spending that much time together. I interpreted that as he just meant Courtney and you kind of pushed back and were like, no, I think he means more everyone. And I just want to say that watching this episode, it was very evident that you were right. And I do think there's definitely a Courtney element there, but it made more sense to me how he kind of contextualized that in terms of the other family members. Yes, absolutely. I think I just get the way Scott thinks. <laughs> hey, I just get I him. <laughs> okay, shall we begin? Yes, we shall. 
So we start out at Courtney's house, and this is kind of when we're introduced to the Nori's Black Book plotline just in general. And it's so funny because you can tell clearly this was something that they were doing for purposes of the show. However, I completely believe that their curiosity was actually this intense and this present from the first time they ever saw the account. I think so too. <laughs> it's really funny when they're going through Jen Akin or Cece or whoever it could be because it makes sense. Obviously, I think they knew deep down it wasn't any of them, but I can understand that thought process for a second just because it seemingly is so accurate. Well, I never thought about it that way because from the time that the account came out, it's carried through the same voice. And obviously, she says by the end of the episode, the girl who runs the account was saying like, I started this account when Nori was a baby, when North was a baby, she didn't have a personality yet. And so I guess because I've been following it for so long, I never assumed it was a family member because the voice had never changed. So from their perspective, they were like, how did they capture her personality so perfectly? And it's just, it wasn't that she captured it perfectly. It's that she predicted it perfectly. I know it really unbelievably so. And I mean, we can get into this in that scene, but it was almost a mathematical process that she went through to kind of determine what elements of ego, what elements of sass, directness. I mean, it was, she really thought it through. There was a part of me that was like almost sad for her. And I can't explain why, because she does get to meet them in the end and they have this like great lunch and it's so great. But there was a part of me that felt bad that she missed out on the opportunity of hearing them just talk about it in an episode without knowing about it. I know. And also something that I was wondering is, you know, at a certain point, I guess, I guess that's not true. I guess as North gets older, she can continue it. But I guess part of the magic is that she's a child. Yeah, that is part of the magic. Well, I do think about it. I mean, I know this isn't really the point and she didn't talk about this in the episode, but I would love to talk to her separately. Like I would, I don't know if she would ever agree to come on, but if she would, we absolutely have to get her. And if I knew that this was going to be the episode, like if we got the screeners more than a day in advance, I would have contacted her and have her ask her if she would be willing to come on. I don't know if she would, but that's something that we should definitely keep in mind. Um, But I was thinking like, okay, let's say in a few years, she no longer wants to write from North's perspective. She's getting too old. I think if you are somebody that wants to capture a piece of the Kardashians, and like a super fan, I totally think people would buy basically her Instagram if she had converted it into almost like a coffee table book type thing. Or in the NFT. Right. I still don't me really pre- that. Me pretending I know what NFTs are. <laughs> I was going to say, do you know more than you're leading on? <laughs> I know quite literally nothing. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure when I sent you that tweet that was like, NFT, nice fucking tits, you were like, Yeah. <laughs> And that's what I thought it was for the longest time. I have, I cannot even express to you. And like, I know a lot of stuff. Like I will not shy away from saying that I know and understand and learn and so much stuff. This is one of those things that I just don't know. I feel the same way. I don't know. I don't even try to pretend. Yeah. So the next scene kind of introduces the second plot line, which is Chloe's surrogacy journey. And she's just explaining how her interest in got a surrogate agent, all of that. But I thought it was really interesting when she went to Kim's house and she's talking to Kim about it. Like I very much would have predicted that Chloe would have this kind of control issue just because we know that that's such a part of her personality. But I was very surprised to see Kim's almost casual nature about it. I was too. I think it always catches me off guard by how chill Kim really is because I think just because what you expect of her, somebody who works so hard, is involved in so many things, is constantly on the move and doing things and raising her kids, like you would expect that that type of person would be a little bit more type A than Kim actually is. Yes. And 
I think, I mean, listen, there was definitely the whole youngest sibling thing at play here, right? It's kind of like the, what they say about the oldest kid versus the youngest. The first journey of surrogacy, she was obviously going to be far more nervous about than the second. And she was kind of exaggerating how relaxed she was about it. Obviously, they had a lot of work that went into it. And she, I'm sure, had an agent as well, just like Chloe. But when they were talking about how Chloe feels like there's this energy exchange and how that's really important, I... I don't know. I thought that Kim would maybe be a little bit more on board with that kind of thinking. I know it's very much a Courtney thing, but Kim flat out was like, yeah, I don't believe any of that. I wasn't surprised that Kim said that. I was. I don't know. I. It's weird because on one hand, I feel like I understand Kim the best out of all of them just because I relate to her the most. And then at times she says things that do kind of throw me for a loop. Well, I think the thing with Kim here is that it's not like she was completely unwilling to accept like energy or spirits whatever like she fully believes that Sam is very connected to her father because of what that person told her when they were away I just think Kim is a very logical person when it comes down to things like this and she knows that if there's so much more that goes into a baby than just the energy so I think she was really focused on that element of it than the Chloe element who tends to be really caught up in those things yeah. Well, I would say just in general, Chloe worries more about everything, right? Like that's just more of a part of her personality than it seems to be with Kim. Right. Well, I always think the thing with Chloe is that I don't know if she was always like this. I think as events happened in her life and she felt like she was losing control of certain areas, she grasped onto the areas of things that she could control and she could have complete control over as a way to kind of center herself and regain some stability. So I just think that as time has gone on and events have happened to her life, that need for control is only increased. Whereas with Kim, I think that the way she is, she is willing to give up a little bit of control because she's so used to things just working out for her. Yeah. I don't think that that's an unfair analysis at all. I mean, I think, yeah, from Lamar after that, of course there was that desire to maintain any ounce of control she possibly could. And then the same thing with Tristan. But I also would have to imagine that this didn't just start based on some of the most recent relationships with men. I have to imagine some of it started after her father's death because that was, you know, totally out of her control. And I know you can make the same argument for all of them, but I think it probably manifested itself the most with Chloe, just in terms of that particular regard. I totally agree. I think it's all the events of her life. I don't think it was just a men's situation. I think it's the way she was treated by the media, the comparing herself to her sisters, her father's death. I think all of it. I just think that the way she dealt with it was by grasping control in as many areas of life as she could. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And it's something that if you've watched the show for years, I think you would 100% be in agreement with that statement. Yeah. So next scene there at the Malibu house is Kim, Chloe, and Scott. And you know, they're just talking more about the show ending. And Kim was saying that she was asked in an interview her feelings on it. And she kind of made a comment, like, we're not going anywhere. You know, we're not dead. And Scott was saying to her how he only dated Courtney for a year before they ever started filming. So for him, he doesn't really remember a life with the Kardashians without the cameras. And I don't know. I mean, I I definitely knew that on a logical level, but I don't know if I had really thought that through because it makes total sense that his connection with the Kardashians or his association with them is also with filming, whereas they had so much of their lives before the camera crew was there. Oh, absolutely. The evolution of Scott 
is no clearer than in the fact that a couple of years ago, he was on vacation with them doing every single thing he could to avoid having to be with the family. He would stay, he was staying in London longer to avoid coming to the family vacation. When he was there, he would hide in his room alone because he didn't want to have to be with them. To now the fact that he is so concerned about not being able to see them that it is literally driving him crazy and driving him to do all of these different things just to be able to hang out with them, even if it's things he doesn't like to do. Oh, it's unbelievable. I was thinking about (laughs) those exact episodes as I was watching it as well, because it's just such a change. I mean, really the, the character arc of Scott alone could be its own show. Oh yeah. I think also, you know, part of that just comes from the fact that he feels so much more accepted now, right? Like they were all, specifically Courtney, but all of them were really disapproving of his behavior, understandably so. And so as a result of that, you don't want to necessarily be around people that you know are displeased with your actions, even if it's your fault. And so now I think that he's in a space where he, on on some level, I knew that he understood that they were always going to be there. But I think now, you know, he feels like they are, quote, proud of him in a way. Oh, yeah. I mean, he said that a couple of episodes ago, too, when he was saying, you know, there's no greater feeling in the world than the fact that a couple of years ago, the last person they wanted Courtney to be with was me, meaning Scott. And now a couple of years later, they're all sitting around telling her that, you know, we have to get back together. And he was like, it is the most beautiful thing in the entire world that her family is saying that or our family is saying that. Yeah, it's a pretty remarkable thing, especially when he had all of those other times on film. Yeah, exactly. And in his confessional, he was saying, when the pandemic started and filming stopped, I saw my life starting to change and the structure in my life changed. And then when I saw it becoming a horrible time, it took a lot on me. And then before you knew it, I was in a rehab center because I was thinking about too many things in my past and I felt like I was going to go out of control without the same structure. So you could understand my fear of now everything stopping. It's scary to me. I definitely don't like change and I definitely don't like that that structure is going to be pulled away from me. That was a pretty vulnerable thing to say, don't you think? I absolutely do think. And that's why I find myself rooting for Scott so much because even when I don't necessarily agree with the things he's doing or saying, the evolution of him being able to talk about it and explain his feelings and explain his worries and his concerns instead of doing something destructive is, I think, his most valuable tool now. It is. And I think that he would acknowledge that as well. I mean, he wasn't, it's as simple as the fact that he wasn't equipped with those tools a few years ago. You know, you have to work for them. It doesn't, it's not like they just come and it takes a lot of work and a lot of people don't want to do that or can't do that. And that's understandable. But, you know, it's funny because as I heard you saying that and you were saying you root for him, I know what you mean. I know you don't mean it in terms of Courtney. I think you just mean for him in general. And I feel the same way, but me like three months ago, let's say pre-Travis or pre-us knowing about Travis, watching this episode, I think the thought of him being back with Courtney would have been in my mind so strongly. And when I was watching it, I was really able to just be so happy for Scott and who he is independently. And honestly, Julian, I'm not just saying this, I really wasn't thinking about the like longing for them together. Yeah, I, I mean... When you're watching this episode, a little bit after you're watching Courtney give Travis an I love you tattoo in her handwriting, it's you kind of stopped thinking about them together or the fantasy of them being together. This entire season, if there was no Courtney and Travis, would be almost unbearable for people watching it wishing that Scott and Courtney were back together 
because you would think it was going to happen. You would think it was going to happen any minute. You would think that their wedding was going to be the finale of this. So to know that that's not going to happen puts it a lot into perspective for you. I think the point of this episode with Scott was so much more for me. I wasn't really thinking about him and Courtney. I was thinking about him mainly with the family, but I also, so much of me, when I think about the situation, I think about Scott, I do believe that his desire to be with Courtney has so much to do with his longing for family and less to do about actually being with her. Don't get me wrong. I think he loves her. I think he adores her. I think he would drop anything to be with her. But I think that piece of him that is longing for her and their family has so much to do with him seeking out family and finding that in Courtney. Right. And so let me ask you something. Forget about this particular episode because obviously everything was dramatized for the show. But do you think that if the family continued in real life to make the type of effort that they were making towards the end, and again, I know that this was just first seen in the show, but if they really you know, didn't just make it on him to kind of do these scheduled dinners like him and Kim were joking about, but really insulated him and surrounded him with saying, no matter what, cameras are not, we're not going anywhere. Do you think that that would help to mend his broken heart as it applies to Courtney? Like, do you think the two are directly correlated? And I ask that to say that kind of gives some power to the other siblings to like help him heal in a way, wrong term, but you know, I absolutely think that. I absolutely do. I think, first of all, the thing with Scott and Courtney is that he's already grieved that breakup. It's not a fresh breakup and all of a sudden she's with Travis. This is something that, while he has still been caught up on it and he has still spoken many times about how hard it is to see her with other people, this isn't a fresh wound for him. He has had time to process and heal it and date other people and you know work towards getting past that. To lose his family, the only family he has left, and I'm not saying that he has, I'm just saying the thought of that, I think is a much harder pill for him to swallow. Again, I'm not saying that that happened. I'm not saying it is happening in any way. I think the thought of that, though, is what is going on in this episode. And I think that that is a much harder thing for him to process and comprehend. So the idea that the family will be there unwaveringly for him and be his family, even if he can't have Courtney, will absolutely help him to continue on that journey because at least he still has that really, really, really important piece of it, if not the most important piece of it. Yes. I am so on your page about that. I guess I just wonder if a few things. One, if he's made that correlation consciously, because so far we have not heard him say that on the show. We've only heard him talk about that as two separate things. And then second of all, if he's voiced it to them. And then I guess third of all, if they realize it, you know, like I know it seems like a really simple issue, but I wonder if let's say Kim and Chloe have had that conversation together. Let's say as Courtney and Travis's relationship really started to progress, really started to take on social media. I wonder if they almost had kind of an attack plan of like, we need to surround Scott with so much family so that as he's watching his chance or fantasy with Courtney die, he knows that the second part of that is not going anywhere. I have to assume so. And watching this episode really made me believe that that is the case because if he was so nervous about what is going to happen to the family after the recording is done, I can't even imagine what he was thinking about once this relationship started. And I have to imagine that the family had that same understanding as well. Yeah. Fully, fully agree. All right. At least I hope. I I can't say I agree. I guess I just hope. Yeah. They seem, at least Chloe at the very least, and Chris, to me, just feel far too intuitive and emotionally intelligent. And Kim too, to not catch on to that. 
Yeah, I think so as well. And Scott also is really excellent at sharing his feelings and what he's going through. And I have to imagine that if that became a concern for him again, in terms of his dynamic with the family, I don't think he would hesitate to talk to Chris or Chloe or Kim about it. No, I I agree. And I think also like the reason that I'm so glad that he has been open about, you know, being in therapy and talking to people and kind of dealing with his mental health is because you have to consciously make that distinction in your head and recognize that those two things are going on at the same time. And so oftentimes it takes talking that out to realize that. Right. Absolutely. Anyway, next scene with Kim and Chloe at the Malibu house. The only reason this is worth mentioning, because this is when they FaceTime Jen Atkin and Steph, is (laughs) it is just so funny watching how like invested and in admiration they all are with Nori's Black Book. And to me, all I could think about when I was watching this is I want a camera on her when she watches this episode just to see how genuinely excited everybody in their inner circle was. Like all of their first responses were, fucking wish I was Nori's Black Book. That was so funny to me. And Kim's like, why is everybody saying that? (laughs) It's so probably validating and the best feeling she could ever imagine, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I fucking wish I was Nori's Black Book. I know. So they kind of just decide that basically Tracy's going to reach out, say they want to send a PR box, and that's how they're going to figure it out, which it's like a win-win for Nori's Black Book. I mean, this whole thing is a win-win for Nori's Black Book too. Yeah, this whole episode is pretty much the highest win she could have ever achieved after starting this account. I think so too. I mean, this probably went beyond any of her wildest dreams, especially when you've been doing it for so long. Like She's been running this account for seven years. And obviously, and I think she said it when she meets them, she was like, I was happy with a like here or there. So for it to be not only them interacting with it, them approving of it, them talking about it on the show, to then bring her on in their final season after so many years of it existing, I am sure she thought that was never going to happen. Oh, no. It's an unbelievable thing. I don't care what anybody says. And if you (laughs) were watching this, I mean, I think everybody who watches the show would know who she is. But if you just happen to like walk in, you don't really understand the significance. But I think everybody, I'm sure, once this episode comes out, will feel a very much collective sense of just pride and deep happiness for her. I think so too. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like, I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. 
That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So next scene, this is when Chloe and Tristan are working out and Scott comes in, which they're kind of surprised about just because he never really accompanies them to their workouts. And Scott says in his confessional, for a lot of people, change is great. But my biggest fear is that a lot of times in my life, change has not always been great. Right now, I'm kind of just preparing for when the show ends. I'm trying to think where I can run into people because the last thing I want to happen is to never see anyone again. And they're kind of just joking because Scott was asking them what time they get there. And she's like, yeah, we both get here every day at 5.30 a.m. We're up by 4.45. We have to get here to stretch. And you just saw he was flabbergasted by that entire schedule. I was flabbergasted by that schedule. One thing that you have to say about Chloe and Tristan's relationship is that from a scheduling perspective, they really are on the same page. And I personally, like for me, and I guess it totally depends on your perspective, but for me, that's very important in a relationship. And I really think that that's a huge plus. Well, especially because they're doing things together. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like it would be one thing if, you know, they both were early birds, but the fact that they can both wake up at 445, go together for their workout. I mean, to me, that's a really big bonding experience as a couple. Yeah, absolutely. And when they're talking about what time they go to bed and they say 9.30, Scott makes a comment like, well, I mean, I guess there's no lonely nights if you're in bed by 9.30. And Chloe's asking what he stays up late for. And he goes, just thinking about life. She's like, what's there to think about at that time? And he goes, everything bad that's ever happened to me. That was a very relatable moment. I thought so too. I was actually, as I watched this, and I wasn't watching it with subtitles, but I was imagining that turning into a meme. Like, I think it will. I think it should. Do you want to do it? Obviously, I'm going to have to do it. (laughs) Okay, next scene, this is when Chloe and Tristan are in the car. They're going down to the Palm Springs house. And Chloe says, I think in her confessional, we don't have this written down, but basically how the Palm Springs house is kind of like everybody's escape, which we know, but I just love when they talk about it because I always, I guess I want to know if they view it as as magical of a place as we all do as the viewer. I mean, I can only imagine because if I consider watching episodes that has the Palm Spring House as my escape, they must feel very strongly about it actually being there. Aside from being just beautiful and extravagant, it's very calming. Oh, yeah. Don't you think? I mean, listen, I'm like an old Jewish grandmother. I think Palm Springs in and of itself is the most calming place in the world. So I get it. We were on cloud nine that trip. I can't even talk about it. That was honestly one of the best three days of my life. I am. I could not agree more. Yeah. I remember just waking up and us getting so high and looking around and really feeling like I was in a dream. We were. There was a hammock outside our room. We were obviously in a dream. That was. There's un- no real life scenario in which you wake up to a hammock. <laughs> that was amazing. And then at dinner for my birthday, when you guys secretly wrote a poem and gave my dad lines and we went around the table and you each read your lines. I mean, I I could like, honestly, I'm not even kidding. I could start crying thinking about it because I was so afraid of my birthday because it makes me miss my mom so much. And you just made it so special. I really, we had the best time and I was <sighs> so happy for you. I can't wait to go back. I know. All right, we we gotta get back there, kid. We gotta get back to the episode. <laughs> Sorry, I got I just got so sidetracked. We're not cutting that though. We can keep it in. Okay. Any anyway, it was funny because on their way there, they're talking, and you know, Chloe's just reflecting on how she 
didn't really expect that it was going to be like this based on the way that Kim had described her experience. And Tristan goes, yeah, because you're way more controlling and way more, I need to know this, I need to know that. And Chloe kind of, you can see her process what he just said, even though she was wearing sunglasses and she kind of stops him. And she's like, you know what? I like when I say controlling about myself. When you say it, I don't love it. You can say I'm way more particular. And they just have this kind of like old married couple back and forth, which I enjoyed watching. I, I assume me, I like their dynamic. I don't know what else to say about it. I just like it. I know. No, Julie, it's really... It's really like if I knew nothing about any of the former cheating and I was coming in with a completely fresh mind, which I envy people that could watch this without any of that knowledge, I would be like, holy shit, Tristan is amazing if I knew nothing. Well, that was the whole thing that happened pre-cheating. The first cheating scandal rocked us. And I don't know if people really remember this, like the way we were feeling when this happened because A, it was so long ago and B, I think our judgment has just been so clouded since then. But when that happened, that rocked us because every single person was like, wow, Chloe found this person that is so fucking amazing. They have such an amazing dynamic. He is the best guy. He treats her so well. Like it wasn't just a situation where she was dating somebody and he cheated on her. And we're like, oh, that's really upsetting. It was like everyone was on the same page about how great Tristan was. I know you're right. People don't remember. They remember the shock, but for different reasons, because a lot of it did have to do with what we viewed his character to be. Exactly. And I think the shock of the Jordan situation kind of clouds that sometimes too, because Jordan was so shocking because it was her, not because it was the cheating. Like that was, I will never forget that day as long as I live. I will never, ever forget the collective response that we all had because it was like so Jordan focused and we could not believe it. It was like the craziest plot twist in Kardashian history, in my opinion. So that shock value, I think, really overpowers the shock of just being let down by Tristan in the first place. Yeah. Oh, beyond so. And there's so much here. Like, just I want to make one quick side note before I respond to that because I want to talk about that day for a second. I can't even express to you the way that I feel when I see Jordan on my timeline, like, Every single time I see her, that she's thriving more and more. And when I think back to the place that she was in after the scandal, it's really fucking unbelievable what she has done. Like she really, really turned it around. I so agree. And it is such a testament to her work ethic. It really is. I could not agree more. You're so right. But one quick thing, I truly, truly will never forget calling the head of our podcast company and being like, I know this may sound crazy, but we need to do an emergency episode. And at the time we had never done that. We didn't even know that was a thing, you know, it was so structured and we just went in there and I remember walking in and I I felt like I heard Eye of the Tiger just playing and everybody looked at us from their desks and they just knew they were like, oh, they're going in. It was like a slow-mo walk-in, right? Right. The thing that I really remember from that most is not even going into the podcast studio, not even like making that call. I so vividly remember being the first one out of us to read it the second it broke and feeling so stupid saying it out loud because I said it to Isabel and I think I called you to say it and you guys were both like, okay, that's obviously not true. Like you can't just like read something on the internet and believe it. And I was like, they're so right. I feel so stupid right now. 
I remember voice noting you because I was driving and I remember mm-hmm. sending you a voice note and being like, okay, Julie, obviously, like, obviously that's just a bullshit clickbait headline. I, I, I was like embarrassed that I even said out, like, have you ever read something that you've read online out loud and then felt like immediate shame that you even believed it? You're like, I'm so global. I don't even know why I would believe something that stupid. Like, and then it was true. And it was like, What? Well, it was more shocking because it was you out of all three of us. Like, I think you're probably the most cynical out of the three of us and like the hardest to convince that something is true. So when you first said it, I think you felt like shame in a way that none of us would have felt. Do you know you know what I mean by that? Yeah, I guess that is like a specifically me thing. It's more of a you thing, but you're right. Like it was, oh my God, that was wow. I hope that everybody as we're talking is remembering back to where they were when they found out or where they were when they were listening to that episode because that episode was like number 11 all podcasts. Do you remember? I'll never forget. Wow. Anyway, they get to Palm Springs. Chris and Corey are there. They're kind of having this weekend, all of them, and they go outside to take the Zoom call with the surrogate therapist. And they kind of have to just you know, be evaluated. They're going through kind of this casual questionnaire. And when they get to some of the more specific questions about, you know, what happens if it's twins and the surrogate doesn't want to carry twins and she has the right to then terminate the pregnancy. And you just see Chloe's kind of spiraling because these were things she did not know were going to be a fact at all. And it was one of those situations where you really kind of like what I said in the car, you were seeing her wheels turn in real time. And I feel like everything she thought or knew to be true was being flipped upside down. And to me personally, what I was most interested in watching the scene was the way Tristan and her were handling it together. Yeah, me too. Because that is a situation in which I think you would expect a lot of people like I think that you would expect fighting to ensue in a situation like this, not necessarily on the phone with the therapist that they were talking to, but just in general, because there are so many opinions that go into something like this and a a scenario like this. And a lot of like, it gets a little bit heated. I'd imagine for a lot of families going through this because it is such a stressful process. So to watch Tristan just kind of sit there and say, I mean, again, he, he knows his place, I think in a lot of situations like this and knows what he needs to do, but to watch him sit there and say like, this is, you know, whatever you need, whatever makes you comfortable. We're going to get through this together. We will figure it out. Like, I just felt like having that calming presence was very important for Chloe. Oh, yeah. He knew that anything he said that even remotely mimicked some sort of trying to maintain or take control of the situation would have completely blown up the entire thing. And so his main goal was just to try to keep things calm and make her feel as in control as physically possible. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. 
And I got originally from them the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic nonstick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. So next scene, we're at Kim's house and she's studying. Scott comes in. This whole thing was kind of bullshit, but I don't care because I loved it. Me too. Also, something that I think is really important to point out during these episodes, like even if the plot is set up, I still think the way Scott is acting, the things he is saying, the desire to be with his family, even if they're doing things that he has no interest in being with, I think that is all very real. Oh, very much so. And honestly, even forget about that. Even if it was something that was way less serious and completely made up, you're still watching real interactions. It's not like anybody's telling them what to say. So at the very least, this is the way that they would be interacting. And that in and of itself is the reason people watch the show. Absolutely. Isabel made a really interesting point where she was saying, you know, this episode kind of destroyed your entire view of the show if you were somebody who watched it and just assumed that the cameras were following them around for their day-to-day lives instead of scheduling times that they would hang out and the cameras would know to be there. And obviously, I think when you look at it from a very logical standpoint, you're like, yeah, of course they had to schedule times. The cameras had to know when to show up. I think that in a lot of our minds, the way we viewed the show was just the cameras rolled from X time to X time during the day. And whatever happened during the day was, you know, up to you and you you know, went about your business and they just kind of caught it rather than the way they really break it down in this episode and make it seem is like any single time they're going to somebody else's house, they're doing something that is all set up for the show. And that is all a point them being together is set up filming. And I think it actually helped me get a lot of perspective on the Courtney situation, because in my mind, when I was thinking about Courtney not wanting to film, it was very much she doesn't want to have to do with the confessionals. It's that much of her life to go sit in a chair for 15 minutes and like watch the show back and think on what happened and what she was thinking in that moment. So to understand fully, and again, I, I wasn't naive to this fact, but I think to really understand fully what they mean by filming and what they mean by them going to each other's house at set times to film helped me really understand that as well. Yes. I was so glad when Isabel made that point because It really does make a lot of sense, especially because I think since we know the proximity with which they all live, it makes the entire idea of it a lot more believable. Like It makes sense that they would just be dropping into each other's homes. And I do think they do that to a certain extent, but their days are just so scheduled and so regimented with so many different commitments that of course it would make sense, right? Like, And I know we knew that, but yeah, the fourth wall was unintentionally fucking shattered here. Shattered, right? Like- in a way that I don't even know if they were intending to, or they probably just didn't really care anymore. It felt like something that could only be done in the final, final season. Yeah. And that's why they have the freedom to do it. I mean, there were a few more moments, which we'll get into, I'm sure, as we continue, that were very evident of just conscious and intentional fourth wall breaks and probably a little bit liberating for them. I think so too. 
in Kim's confessional, she's saying, I think that Scott wanting to connect to each one of us and kind of like this out of character behavior for him is because he thinks that because we're going to stop keeping up, that we're going to stop hanging out with him. Chloe told me he wanted to work out the other day. I think he's trying to make these connections with everyone so that he feels like as soon as we're done filming, we still need him and he's still going to come over and we're still going to be together. But I think I should talk to Courtney about it. The only th- reason that that confessional was really funny to me is Kim's like, I think that maybe Scott's nervous about us not being together anymore. And Scott is literally sitting there every single time they speak being like, so do you think we're never going to hang out again? Do you think that I'm never going to see you guys again? Are you going to forget about me? Are we not going to be family anymore? And they're like, yeah, I think maybe Scott's a little nervous about something. Like he's literally telling you. I know. It's just so classic the way that they operate with each other. Like when you see those TikToks, and it's people just mouthing the scenes. It really is as simple as Kim just responding, yeah, and a lot of chewing and a lot of on their phones. Like, obviously that's not the overwhelming theme of these episodes, but there's so much that you have to kind of just learn to understand in the way they communicate. Like, I think for your average person, if you were talking to somebody and they just responded to something very deep with like a simple yeah, or they were on their phones the whole time, you would be offended, but it's just the way that they communicate with each other. Yeah, absolutely. It's really funny though when I watch it through the eyes of TikTok and I'm not seeing the visual. I'm like, wait a second. I get why people make fun of this. I do too. Sometimes sometimes I forget why people make fun of it and then I see it brought to me and presented to me like that. And I'm like, oh, that is so, so spot on. It's scary. Right? <laughs> yeah. So we go through a few scenes and we're back at the Palm Springs house And Chloe now has a call with her surrogate broker to go over some of the concerns that were brought up. And she's kind of just, you know, talking to them about it. She's talking to her confessional. And I think when she goes back to Tristan and Chris and Corey, you can see that her mind is really overworking. And she's doing one of those things where she says something out loud and then immediately doesn't even want to put it out into the universe. So, you know, goes back and prays on it. And not that I've ever related to that particular circumstance, but you know, that kind of situation where you can tell that this is overtaking your mind and you try to just like remove the bad thoughts that you are having and you have to like outwardly do that because it's kind of just nonstop. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think something that was also happening with Chloe in this particular circumstance with the surrogate is that she was already feeling really iffy about it and already feeling a lot of stress about the situation in general. And I find that sometimes when you're really overwhelmed by something or you're already looking at it negatively, you unintentionally find things that feed into that to give yourself some validation into the way you're feeling where it's like, oh, I was nervous before and then I found out this piece of information and that just validated how I felt instead of like getting all of this other information that would maybe be able to change your mind. You really focus on the negative as a way to validate your own thoughts and feelings. And I think that's something that Chloe was doing and then kept consciously catching herself doing. Yes, that's exactly what was happening. And especially, you know, listen, in her defense, she, I think, went off of the closest person to her, which was Kim, which was a very firsthand, you know, recounting of their experience. And naively or not, she expected it would be more similar and when it was. And I think she was just met with unforeseen hurdles. Yeah, definitely. To be honest, I can't even try to relate to what this is like in terms of what she was actually talking about, but I can imagine both for the surrogate, for her, for Tristan, it's just very, very complicated. And at the end of the day, it is that woman's body, you know? And I just, it's a really hard thing, I think on all ends. Yeah, I think so as well. 
So next scene, where Courtney's house is Kim and Courtney, and they're kind of just talking about the Scott situation. And Courtney is really just stressing that she thinks a lot of it is change. You know that some people have a really hard time with change. And Kim makes a comment like, "Well, think about all the times he's had big change. It hasn't been positive for him. So maybe he's scared in this way that he feels like." What if I have nothing to do and I get so restless and that was giving me a purpose and something to do? And what if I start drinking or what if I start this or what if I start that? I could only imagine. And Courtney kind of says in her confessional, you know, I know that we're Scott's only family and that he feels insecure about not being able to spend time with the whole family now that the show's ending. I think he wants to make sure that we're all going to see each other when we're not filming. And I want to make sure he knows we will always be in each other's lives. I really appreciated Courtney in this episode. Yeah, me too. She was very logical. I think so. And she also was very validating of the way Scott felt instead of like just being like, no, he'll be fine. Yeah, which is something that we crave, I think. Yes. Yes. Right? Very much so. So next scene, we're at Scott's house. And this is when Chloe, Courtney, Kim, and Chris all come in. They bring their remote controlled boats. They want to go boating in his pool. And you just see again, yes, it was quote scripted he was elated how happy slash sad does that make you like i can't even express it i guess i didn't anticipate myself to be feeling as emotional as i was while watching this because i felt like i was feeling scott's emotions (laughs) right i just it makes me sad that he even has that thought or that fear because in my eyes it's so clear that the family wouldn't be going anywhere i very much understand now a lot of it has to do with the filming schedule and just the actually seeing each other and i also understand that when you lose both of your parents at such a young age within three or four months of each other you're going to be scarred from that i mean obviously i already see myself being scarred in other ways from one parent so it just i guess all i could ever want for him is to really feel that comfort and i felt like he really felt it yeah i mean I think the thing with losing parents the way that Scott did, and I obviously like don't have to explain it to you, but there is always going to be an element for a lot of people. And I think that's what Scott is feeling now of an abandonment issue. And Mm -hmm. even in a scenario like that, that is so drastically different than, than this and what he's dealing with, that is still those emotions and those feelings are still going to come into play regardless of his ability to separate those two scenarios. Yeah. And coupled with kind of separation anxiety, you know, which in this particular case, this could be seen as separation anxiety, the ending of the show. And so it's just, it's just sad. It's so much deeper. Like it's so much deeper than just this episode and then just this scene. It really clearly is very intertwined with the experiences he's had in his life. And I just, yeah, it was a small gesture them all going over there, but it really did make me so happy. Me too. I mean, we kind of just see this whole thing go down and Scott in his confessional says, I think the one thing I can take from this whole experience is that I really do value this family I'm in probably more than anything else in the world. I mean, the fact that we all have each other and have each other's backs, I know that we can all really trust each other at the end of the day more than anybody else. And even if all the structure in my life changes, I don't think there's anything that will ever be able to come between our relationship. And that means the world to me. Uh, I know. And you know, Kim's like, or Chloe's joking about making appointments. And I just think that for Chris specifically to kind of look him in the eyes and say, I am not going anywhere. I will always be here for you is the most valuable thing in the world to him. Chris saying, and I quote, I'm always going to be your mom 
I I lost it. I know. I I was crying <laughs> during this. And Kim saying like when they're in the confessional, just the two of them, and Kim is saying, I need you to know that when all this is over, you're still our brother. I, I was just beyond emotional for this whole thing because I don't even think that any of them will be able to or any of us will be able to fully grasp how much Scott really needed to hear that. Because I think for them also, it's been so long that Scott has been such a part of the family in a way that is different than how he used to be and part of a family that he wants to be a part of. So I think for him, who's so used to struggling in the family, he's, I think there's still an element of him that's getting used to it and and still understanding that they're not going anywhere. And I think you're seeing that play in play here. But the sheer fact that he is so emotional about seeing them less, not even not seeing them at all, just seeing them less, like in that beginning scene when Kim says, well, we'll have family dinners. And he says, yeah, at least once a week. And she's like, once a week? Like she thought that was crazy and he couldn't imagine it being less than once a week. I know. (laughs) I know. It was really sweet to watch. It really was. And I also think, I always view this and I know it's just from my perspective, but in a lot of ways, I feel like I can relate to Scott being an only child, always wanting to you know, marry into a big family. And then also uh, I only lost one parent, but there's something that they can't understand, just like I can't understand certain parts of having a sibling, that they can't understand about what it's like when you don't have that built-in sibling. So for them, you know, no matter what happens, they will always be with each other, right? Like they are blood. And at the end of the day, he's technically not blood. And so he's never going to fully grasp it in the way that they grasp it. So like for him, it's just so important that they were so unbelievably willing to really not downplay his emotions and feed into it. That was, I really felt for him. All I want in the whole world is a live stream camera showing me exactly how often Scott is seeing them when he's going over there. The conversation between them now is him and Chris just having time, just the two of them. Is he popping over there for dinners? Like that is the information I need more than anything. And I assume that that is the case. And I assume that is what's happening. I just need confirmation of it. I can't tell you that we will get confirmation in the form of a live stream, but I do think that via Instagram, and I think we'll just get the sense. I really think that that will be far. Actually, I should say, I really think that that will be as frequent as we hope it will be. I do too. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. (laughs) 
Final scene, Kim and Chloe are in the car. They're on their way to meet Nori's lockbook. Like I said in the beginning, I was floored that we actually got to see her. I was so starstruck and excited. And I just was trying to put myself in her shoes. If I'm sitting at this table and all of a sudden, Kim and Chloe and the entire camera crew are coming and they're so excited to meet me and I am the person that has made a persona out of her firstborn. Like the thing that I couldn't stop wrapping my head around is I'm sure she has had moments, even if she was so confident in her satirical wit, where it's like, are they going to think this is really weird of me that I'm basically putting a personality to her seven-year-old? And the fact that they didn't think it was weird at all and were so embracing of it is like unfucking believable Yeah, I felt that way too. It seemed incredibly validating. And again, for all the reasons you just listed, like them fully embracing it, them interacting with them, then loving it. But then on top of that, to really recognize that this isn't just somebody being funny on an Instagram page. They were like, she is so witty and so funny and such a great writer and understands things so deeply. Like That level of compliment to understand it on a level aside from just being a funny Instagram page was the most validating part of all of it for me. Yes. Yes. Like, because honestly, she was so fucking methodical when she was explaining how she came to this conclusion. And I thought it was so funny when she was explaining to Kim the babies are us thing because you saw Kim's face being like, you know what? She's right. I'm sure that North would not be down for that campaign. It is so funny. That was that part of it was so funny to me too, because I felt like in that moment I really understood how the account came together. What were we talking about recently where there was an oh, oh, when we were talking about on that episode a few weeks ago when North was like, I'm a partial pescatarian. That is the kind of shit that I'm sure Nori's Black Book watches. And she's like, you know what? I pinned this girl perfectly. She did. She Because Kim's personality and Kanye's personality are so, so distinct that to make an exaggerated version of both of them, just from a satirical standpoint, is so genius But for that to actually come to fruition and be who North was, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It is unbelievable because it's not like this girl just made up a personality about, you know, a rich celebrity kid. Like she really considered who North's parents were, the way that she was being raised, the fact that she was their firstborn child, the fact that she was a girl, like all of these different factors really went into consideration when making this account. And it shows so much. For North to end up exactly like her character is so funny to me because it it's like destined that it would become that way because of who she is. Like it almost seems like North read the account and was like, yeah, I like that. I'm gonna pick that up for myself. <laughs> right. Well, that's like when Kim was driving and she's like, Yeah, I told North that I'm going to meet Nori's black book. And she's like, who? And Chloe's like, Yeah, I mean, how would she know? And for a second, I'm like, oh wait, she doesn't know. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, it was so funny. I mean, you guys watched, obviously, but this woman is Natalie Franklin. I think what struck me the most about her was the conviction with which she spoke about what she did. And like, I think it would have been a very normal reaction for somebody to have when they're meeting the mother of this child that you've made a personality for to almost like communicate 
a level of self-deprecation or like embarrassment about what you do, right? Kind of like downplaying it. And she didn't. She was like, no, I am good at this. And she understood how talented she is, not in a way that came across, you know, at all conceited, but I was just so, I I couldn't, I, I just was so fucking happy for her. I 100% agree. The lack of self-deprecation or playing down what she does was so amazing to me in that moment because I think it would be such a natural reaction to be like, oh, no, I just like run this Instagram account. Like, haha. Like, for her to be like, no, I've put so much thought into this. All of the characters that are part of your lives that have become part of my Instagram account were chosen for such specific reasons. And the reasons I did those things were all very clear and laid out to me and made sense in my mind. And she was explaining it so thoroughly and rightfully so. Right. And honestly, if you're talking to Kim Kardashian, that is the way that you do it. That is the way that you gain the respect of one of the most famous slash successful business people in the country, right? Like you talk about your craft as if it is your craft and as if it is your business, which it is. And now this woman is making money on Instagram for ads for keeping up. I mean, there is nothing to be embarrassed about. And she was so proud of it. And I just like, I really could have seen it going a million different ways. And honestly, like the two are so not the same, but I was inspired by her because I feel like in the beginning of our business, we kind of would downplay it. Like, oh, we just have this Instagram. And it wasn't until Paul was like, no, you have a media company and start saying that. And like, she just had that energy. And I, I, I so want to emulate that. You know, it's so different, but I just really admired her. Yeah, absolutely. I still do that. I know I've, I've stopped doing that. You do still do that. You have to, you have to own it. You know, you don't, you don't want to communicate any sense of like embarrassment. This is what we do. And we're, we've been, you know, dedicated to it. Yeah, of course. I don't think it's embarrassment. I think it's just like, well, we can talk about it. It's like, so not an important conversation to have right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know? No, but it, I will never forget, Paul, if you're listening to this, it was, I was talking about comments. I was inter- I was meeting somebody at his engagement party and he, he, they said, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I have this Instagram account. We kind of just post celebrity comments and he interested me. And he was like, no, you have a very successful media company. And I was taken aback. And it's that interaction that has changed the way that I talk about our business. So I don't know. Nori's Black Book, Natalie, you are really doing it right. Absolutely. Yes. Anything else you'd like to add? No, I think that's it. Okay, well, I love you and we love you guys. Thank you as always for listening. Isabel and I will see you tomorrow for Bravo. Julie and I will be back on Monday. And just love you guys. Thanks for doing this with us. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning. There's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.